0: Welcome back, everyone. We got podcast number 18, two guys and a mic, if you're at home keeping track. So what do we got for you this episode? Well, the NHL gave us some COVID results. Uh, We'll recap the AFC-NFC championship games. We'll review a video game, oddly enough, and we go shopping for some golden jackets. All next, but first, let's talk some business. Make sure you follow us at Two Guys and a Mic on both Facebook and Twitter. Drop us a line and tell us where you're listening from. And as always, we'd like to kick off the show with what are we drinking? And I have to say, this week we kind of screwed up. Uh, we got nothing together for a single drink. Uh, I think I'd like to blame it on the fans because we're not the fans aren't getting together, the listeners aren't getting together and giving us good suggestions that we all equally can get. Uh, apparently, guys, craft beers in your local areas may not be in our areas. So it's got to be a broader selection, broader choice. Make sure you figure that out when suggesting, please. So let's go around the bin. What are we drinking? Uh, for me to kick it off, I can't remember what this is, but it is a Irish red ale. I've had it in a previous episode. Um, I had two beers left in the fridge. and I said, hey, let's just tank it and finish them off tonight. Um, definitely enjoyed having it earlier. It's an, And it's good, so I can't complain. So Logan, what do you got?
1: Well, I'm going with my classic at home go-to. I've got um, polishing off a bottle of Jack Daniel's honey and mixing it with uh, some Sprite, and I've got the the Stones no ice. But this is this is kind of like my go-to drink when I'm finding a drink at home. This is probably what I'm.
0: How do you like it with the Stones? Because I've never had a whiskey drink with the Stones.
1: I mean, it's good. It, It keeps it cold. They're not like they certainly don't keep it as cold as ice, but. It doesn't water it down at all, so it's good. Just got to
2: drink it fast. You're you're all right. There
0: you go. And Brian, what are you going with?
2: Yeah, so I had uh, one of those uh, Stella Dark Midnights or Midnight Lager that we had, I think, one of the earlier episodes. I had one left over, um, and you know, it's kind of good that we had an episode here where I could kind of get some stuff out of my fridge, so I'm taking advantage of that. For a second week, I enjoyed it the first time around, so uh, just chilling with one of those tonight.
0: We'll call this the cleanup drink episode, where we take what's left
2: over and finish them off. How about that?
0: That's what we're calling it this week. It wasn't a mistake.
2: Yeah, we're going to have one of those every once in a while. There we go. Sometimes you can't buy the beer single, you know, so you got to drink them sometime. (laughs) Guess I should do that off the air, though, right? I
1: don't know. I just drink them anyway.
2: Yeah. Just all six during the episode.
1: Listen, Mike's selection last week, I drank those really quick. I, I really enjoyed that.
0: That was surprisingly good, so I'll have to look for more from that uh, that brewery and see what we got. All right, to kick things off, uh, this past week, the NHL saw a spike in positive COVID-19 test results, which has resulted in teams such as the Dallas Stars, Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, and my very own Washington Capitals having to postpone games. Now, the NBA has had very little issues with COVID, and we saw the NFL bounce back, from some early cases. So why is the NHL having so many issues, and how do you guys see COVID impacting the NHL season? Brian, what do you think? Because your Tampa Bay Lightning team was also mentioned.
2: It's just really odd. Uh, I'm not sure why they're having so many problems, especially since it's my understanding that they're tested before each game, right? Or even on a daily basis. They're so, daily. NHL daily. Right. So for the, it's obviously not a player interaction issue. Um, they're obviously not going to be in the game or on the bench if they've tested positive. Um, Another thought in my mind was like, oh, NFL's an outdoor sport. Like there's been big uh, emphasis put on, you know, being inside versus being outside. But the NBA seems to be doing okay. Um, I know they've taken some liberties with the bench being spread out, um, stuff like that. Fans are farther back. But, you know, Lightning haven't had fans in any of their games. So I'm not sure what the... Outlying factor is for the NHL that's causing so many issues, but I mean it's going to have at this point if it continues down the road it's going it's going to have a big impact on the season in my opinion because not only are you already playing teams back to back, but when you have periods of a week off because you can't play your games because of COVID, I mean that messes with a team's rhythm and messes with uh, you know their juju (laughs) how they're playing if you're on a run and then you can't play for a week and a half i mean i think that's a big big impact what do you think logan well here i'm going to tell you kind of what the nhl's issue
1: is so i mean i think that you're gonna have impacts from covid It's just a matter of time you know it's it's kind of how the nhl is going to deal with it um certainly the nhl have a little bit of issue in their testing methodology this is kind of i guess something that i am a little bit more familiar with just kind of due to my background uh with biology and science um but the nhl have a loophole in their testing procedure they test daily but those test results are not available for 24 hours so like with the hurricane situation They had guys who had tested positive, but they weren't aware. Those guys played in games, they were around the team, and it really didn't kind of snowball into bigger than it it could have, but they weren't aware of those test results until after they had already played games and stuff like that. So um, this can be solved. Uh, The NBA does this as they use a local provider kind of in each market, which provides the PCR COVID test, which is like the Longer tests um, for the public. Um, it's one they go really deep, and it's not the rapid test. It's the the more in-depth test. Um, so the NBA, they're tested every morning of games, and the NBA has those test results at least one hour before tip-off. So if they know that somebody tested positive, that person's not going to be um, allowed to participate in warm-ups and in the game. So they just need to... Adopt an NBA type system where they're having better test results. I guess quicker test results is what they need. Um, I think you're right. You're going to see more positive tests. We're going to see more postponements, and that's gonna it's gonna have an impact on the season. And you know, I, I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. If it's going to be a long season, or if it's going to be a abbreviated season, if they're going to sh- shorten even even more. You know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I think the NBA or the NHL needs to adopt the NBA system and and things will kind of smooth out eventually. So Mike, what are your thoughts?
0: You know, I'm just so sick and tired of talking about COVID. Um, I'm thrilled that there's a vaccine out there and multiple vaccines are, are coming available. Not to like put these players like on a, you know, a podium you know, that, you know, they, they should get first right to get it, but why isn't you know with the with the amount of money within the leagues why doesn't the league you know spend the money get their players vaccinated after all you know the fans you know want to see the players out there want them to f- f- perform um uh you know it it back when this first you know happened early 2020 you know we were talking about delaying seasons and you know what what are we gonna do like now that it's out there let's just vaccinate the players. Let's just move on. Let's, you know, let's, let's get them out there. And, you know, that's another reason to kind of test the vaccine, you know, if, if the players are all vaccinated, you know, let them play, see, you know, see what happens. But I don't know. I'm just looking forward to move on, put this, you know, COVID virus in the rear rear view mirror and, and move on. Um, but yeah, I'm just, just, just to add to the story. Why doesn't the league, you know, spend their money wisely Get the, the vaccine, you know, get the shots in arms and let's just move on and, you know, hopefully not have to worry about, you know, what if, you know, postponement of games, like, just play. Everyone wants to see him play.
1: Maybe this is too political, but do you think the NHL or, or even NFL, NBA, whatever franchise or league should force the players to have it or should it be an option?
0: Um, I know this is a huge debate um within companies or whatever, but... Um, a lot of companies are saying, "Hey, you need to be vaccinated." So they're saying it's going to be mandatory, and it, it's mandatory based on the company's basically policies and procedures. That's how they they get away with saying it's mandatory. Um, I know there's still some people out there that don't believe in the vaccine, don't want to take the shot, don't want to, you know, for whatever reasons, don't don't want to, They don't like that word, you know, mandatory. Um, I just got to say you have your own right. You know, if you want to, you know, if we're talking about the leagues, if you want to play in the league, you know, you got to buy by their, their principles and their policies and procedures. Um, it's the same thing with any company you chose to work for. That's your right. You have the right to work for them or not. Um, so if they're saying, Hey, sorry, we're, we're, you know, we're making it mandatory that, you know, everyone that, you know, works for us, uh, you know, receives this COVID shot that's when you say, okay, I no longer agree with this company, these policies and procedures, I'm going to move on. And that's your right in my book. So, you know, not to be political about it, but I, I just think if it's mandatory, if if the vaccine has a 90% effective rate, why not just take it? Why not? That's all i got to say. All right. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, you're setting me up for the question. No, no. I, what do you think? I agree. I think that
1: the the league should probably mandate, it. and if you don't want to, it's not a, you know, you just set out. We had a lot of NFL players set out this year because of um, the procedures, the protocols that NFL put in place or didn't put in place. Um, so I think it's a similar situation. Um, you know, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, maybe I'm not sure that mandating is the best option, but. I think for the league, it's the probably best option as a business perspective from them.
2: Correct. Oh, for sure. sure. And, yeah, I
0: mean, the, the league's got the money to do it, so why not?
2: Yeah, money talks. So I, I think they're going to likely mandate it. I mean, just because of the nature of the sport. Yeah. Um, And I think most players will probably get it anyway. So I don't think it would be that significant. You know, we can talk about whether they should or not all day, but I think like Logan said, from a business perspective, you want players on the field. You don't want this COVID issue next year. If they have a vaccine that like Mike said, 90% effective, I'm sure they're going to put out a, some sort of a, they may not make it a mandate, but like a strong suggestion (laughs) to players to get it. I think most players would probably be willing to get it to know that they won't, they won't have the risk. Um, you know, unfore- without any unforeseen, you know, major side effects, which I don't think there have been too many um, to mention to date. So,
0: All right, moving on. So the 2021 Pro Bowl game was originally scheduled to be played this Sunday, January 31st in Las Vegas. However, once again, due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the league was forced to cancel the game. Instead, the NFL is working with video game publisher EA Sports to take the event digital. The NFL and EA have created a week-long series of virtual events celebrating the Pro Bowl. It will feature celebrities, NFL legends, current players, and streamers playing the official Pro Bowl rosters on Madden NFL 21. Famous video game. The week culminates in a virtual Pro Bowl game with 2021 Pro Bowl players playing within Madden, which will be available for fans to watch across a variety of platforms. What do you guys think about the NFL changing up the format this year? Logan, this is a one-off event, or will we see the format persist in the future?
1: i would just start by saying whoever came up with this idea is a genius. Uh, They should be getting a promotion this is a great idea. I'm not sure if it was EA who brought it to the NFL or NFL teaming with EA, but essentially they saved the Pro Bowl this year, which is a huge like marking event for the for the league. So somebody needs a, a a big fat bonus this year. But but here's my thing: the Pro Bowl itself is worthless. Half the players sit out. The ones that play don't go very hard. They don't want to get hurt. So. I haven't watched a pro bowl, a full pro bowl in years, if maybe ever. And there's a good chance that if this year was a typical pro bowl year, I probably wouldn't tune in, you know, maybe this year with this new format, I'll tune in, see what it's like. But otherwise I, there's a very little chance that I would have paid any attention to the pro bowl, you know? Um, and going forward, I, I think I'd, I'd be okay with this format. Um, there's a good percentage of NFL players, especially the younger players who are big gamers, you know guys like Cam Newton, uh Juju smith <laughs> yeah. Uh even like retired players like Des Bryant, well, I guess now he's I don't know, mm-hmm. is, he, is he retired? Is he back in? They, yeah, it could be either. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh but like Chad Hutchinson, you know, all these guys are are big gamers. Uh you know, and pro athletes are are just super competitive in everything they do, so if they're already playing this game and it's a chance for them to kind of show off against each other in the offseason, talk some smack, I'm sure they're going to give it much more attention and effort than they would say a traditional Pro Bowl game. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of professional athletes take up esports and gaming, either competing or funding their own teams across, you know, multiple different video games from Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA. So I think it's kind of the natural progression. It also ties in the younger, younger demographic. So I think it's a good format going forward. Mike, what do you think?
0: So I'll say I think it's, it's a necessary change this year due to the pandemic. Um, obviously, past Pro Bowlers, uh, you know, they've always been lacking ratings. Um, I think there definitely needs to be a revamp of some sort uh, with the Pro Bowl. Um, I don't think this is the way I think doing this video game, you're specifically just targeting a younger audience and you're totally ignoring your older audience. But I mean, granted this year, it, it has to be different due to the, you know, COVID pandemic. Um, you know, I, myself included, I, I do play video games. I enjoy them at the same time. I could care less about this probable being a video game playing Madden. It it's not my thing. I'm not gonna care about these guys, the streamers playing Madden. Like I, sorry, not into it. Put me into the older category. I think you're eliminating the older base completely. I think in past when they you know did skill challenges on one day and then you know the the Hall of Fame or not the Hall of Fame but the uh, the Pro Bowl game the next day. You know you had some guys come out there you know that necessarily weren't on the same team maybe played for a team at one time, you know, they come out there and, and they like to have fun and they'll run a play or something like that. And, you know, it's it's fun to see that interaction where it's not a competitive game, so to speak. But you're having guys basically go out there and have fun with it. And, you know, relink with their past relationships if they played on a team or whatnot. You know, that's very enjoyable uh to see that interaction in a game and, you know, what they draw up for fun. You know, during the game that they they, they coached up or, or you know or whatnot. Um, granted, this year can't do it. Um, I for sure would like to see that change with the Pro Bowl in years you know future. Once this thing gets under control, yeah, I definitely think there's a, a revamp that needs to be done. Um, I think there's plenty of people uh, in the industry that can do that and change it, and they just got to listen to them and make it happen. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm tuning this one out. Not my thing.
1: Would you have turned in tuned in normally?
0: Yeah, I I loved. To me, I loved watching the Pro Bowl. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I tuned in for it. Uh, my biggest thing was I loved watching the skill challenges. Um, that was the most enjoyment I got out of it. I think that was usually done on a Saturday, and then Sunday you had the actual game itself. Um, could care less who won the game, but it, but it was just fun, you know, watching the players interact with each other, do certain things. Um, I remember in in years past, uh, Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning were in the game. And at the time, Saturday, uh, Jeff Saturday was on the opposite team. And because of his relationship with Peyton Manning, switched teams during the game just to get, you know, just to just get that one snap off to Peyton Manning one more time just for fun. You know, it, it was fun to see little stupid stuff like that. But that's when the relationships clicked and you saw it on the field and you enjoyed it because that's, you know, that's something that made it special, I thought.
1: Yeah. Real quick, I think you touched on it really well is that the the skills competition, that's, that's what I love from All-Star Weekends, and particularly the NHL and the NBA, is that skills competition is way more entertaining than the actual All-Star game.
0: For sure it is.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. You guys pretty much said everything I was going to say, which is the skills challenges were the, the the most entertaining thing. The game itself, I think, is more of a novelty, but I, I enjoyed watching. I think they're going to add um, this virtual Madden-type format at, as at least as a part of the Pro Bowl moving forward because I do think that they are trying to capitalize on a younger market, Um, Like Mike was saying, and, you know, uh, we're all gamers, so we're a little bit biased, but it's fun to watch guys in that format. Um, I think if anybody is sweating right now, though, it is EA, Um, not to go onto this tangent, but they've been, you know, the, the company that's been producing these Madden NFL games for years, and there's a lot of people who are not happy. So I think they might be sweating that their game is going to be presented to a national stage of people who would not normally know what's going on with Madden. (laughs) So that's just kind of like a side story that we won't get into, but it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out.
0: All right. This, uh, this uh, upcoming Saturday is selection Saturday where the pro football hall of fame selection committee will decide which hall of famers will be enshrined to Canton, Ohio uh, this year, there were 130 nominees, but that list has been whittled down to just 15 of the best players in NFL history. This year's finalists are comprised of six individuals who are finalists for the first time, including four first-year eligible players, Jared Allen, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson. Two others, Ronnie Barber and Clay Matthews Jr., have been previously eligible, but this year marks their first time as finalists. Everyone knows Peyton is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but what about Calvin Johnson and Charles Woodson or John Lynch? Who has been a Hall of Fame finalist for eight years or Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne, a pair of great wide receivers who are so similar that they force voters to take sides or the late Sam Mills and who may not get another chance if he is not enshrined this year. So, Brian, who are your 2021 NFL Hall of Famers?
2: Oh man, it's tough because, you know, this list of 15 finalists are all pretty, um, you know, they're all spectacular players, obviously, hence why they're in this conversation to begin with. Um, but I do think there are a few names here, um, namely three of the four of the first year eligible players. I think it's very hard to not vote for Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson and Charles Woodson, in their first year of eligibility those are and maybe it's just because this is my generation of growing up and watching football but those are three huge names from the you know late 90s on to the uh, the five years ago for Peyton Manning who just who just left um all three of those I think they're in um a couple other names on the list that would take just to round out the six I I like Reggie Wayne. I think he's probably in this year. You put Peyton and Reggie in, that's kind of a good feel good story for the hall of fame. You got two guys who come in together from the same team. Um, and then the last two are a little bit more iffy. Sam Mills, like you mentioned, I would I would throw him in. I think he deserves to get in. He's he's nearing the end of his uh, el- eligible time period. You know, for the, the amount of nominations. And then I don't know if I really want to say this, and I'm sure Logan's gonna say it, but Zach Thomas is on that list. Yeah, buddy. So um, he's another guy that's probably right there on the cusp. John Lynch is probably my number six, but for him, it's a little strange just because he is still so involved. In the nfl with his with his you know executive experience that he's gaining now so he's probably got a little bit of time and i think he's still adding onto his legacy in the nfl based on what he's able to do in his executive role but uh logan do you have five five other guys other than zach thomas here
1: <laughs> so i do think it's important to kind of say that there aren't like a set number of players um the kind of the bylaws of the the pro committee is is between four and eight so but usually it's in that five six range so yeah just around it I'm gonna I'm gonna go six uh as well of course Peyton Manning no-brainer first ballot all day um you know recently we talked about Calvin Johnson and how high he is on my all-time wide receivers list so you know I'm in I'm in for him um the only kind of knock on him would be he had a short career but I think his numbers are still still worthy um I'm gonna go with Reggie Wayne too. I was kind of on the fence between Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne, but you know Reggie Wayne is, I think, got the edge for me. So I'm going Reggie. Um, We need to give some love and respect to the defenders. So like Brian, I'm going Charles Woodson over uh, Barber. You know Barber is kind of an interesting guy. You know he's a really smart guy, and he just only had a five-year career. I think that kind of will hurt him in the end. But so I'm gonna put Woodson over Barber. Um, And like you said, Brian, I'm copying you a lot here. And we're going Tampa 2 defender John Lynch. Safeties are a hard group. So he's been like an eligible guy for like eight years. But safeties are a hard group to kind of evaluate because the stats can be really misleading. You know, if you're a shutdown corner, people aren't going to throw to you. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, as as part of that Tampa 2 scheme, I think John Lynch kind of deserves to be in there. And then last, but certainly not least on my list, like you said, Zach Thomas. I think he's a long shot to be honest to make it in, um, but he's one of my favorite players of all time. You know due to my, my age, I really missed the majority of the Marino era. Um, but I watched Zach Thomas every weekend growing up. My first NHL or an NFL Jersey was a Zach Thomas Jersey. Uh, he's, he holds a special uh, place in, in my heart for, in the NFL, so I, I'd like to see him get in. I don't think it happens this year, but I'm putting him in.
0: So I'll say I think the I wasn't looking at at it too well when I had the brief time to pull up the um, the list of Hall of Famers here. I'd say if if the guys are ending you know their term and possibly not getting in um, and they're mentioned this late, I think they're probably due and they're probably going to get in. Um, I was a little bit biased on my picks. I'm not going to say. Um, I was targeting guys that basically had a Super Bowl win on their. Um not agenda, but um resume 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 job resume, so of course, I went uh Peyton Manny, Reggie Wayne, I think it would be awesome for the two of them to go in together um I think that just makes you know great t v to watch them you know up on stage together and trying together, you know speaking together at the same time. I think that's a good fit, I think we all agreed on that one um, I did also pick Tory Holt with St Louis Rams, so I went with him. And on the defense side of the ball, I went with John Lynch, another favorite. Uh, Richard Seymour.
1: Yeah, he's up there. Went too. with him. He was, he was my first guy off, and I think for the reasons you're gonna say.
0: Well, I was gonna say. I mean, well, you're not picking him obviously because you're biased against you know being a patriot. Um, may it may be too early for Richard Seymour to get in, um, and maybe they pass him by, but. It, You know, obviously with the dynasty, with the Patriots, he's getting in. It's just when. Um, And then I went with the Steelers guy, which, like, Alan uh, Fanatic. If I'm pronouncing that right. So, those are my picks. Obviously, Super Bowl had to be on the resume. um, And that was just my looking at it. I think uh, Calvin Johnson, again, uh, a great pick. No Super Bowl. So, um, I don't think he gets in now. But I think he's up there to get in for sure.
2: Uh, It's just so hard for him because he was just so dominant. He's like the the Barry Sanders of wide receivers, you know. So I agree, but no, I agree with you. I think it's he's on the cusp. I I think he's, you know, Pro Football Reference has like a a a meter or a, a measurement of how they calculate odds, and he's not in the top six based on their. Uh, calculation to their chances of getting in so uh, he might it might take a year or two um, but i was gonna him. say they also like to have a nice spread of
0: offense and defense oh yeah play. yeah, yeah. So for sure i for think sure. We, we can't just name all the offensive players and go oh yeah they're getting him and not mention you know on the defense side of the ball too
1: yeah there's such an offsen- offensive bias it's so easy to put them in because of the big splashy plays it's the, it's the defenders who maybe don't get the recognition they deserve for you know unless it's a big guy who gets getting a lot of sacks or you know picking off a lot of interceptions it's it's hard to sometimes see the impact of them on the field.
2: Am I the only one? Real quick before we move on, am I the only one that was kind of surprised that Jared Allen <laughs> is made it as a finalist in his first year? He was a great player, but I I was never like, oh yeah, he's a you know first ballot finalist, Hall of Fame. Yeah, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't have had him on there. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, that was I mean another great player, but at the same time no Super Bowl, so it's like. Yeah, where it's the what's the stepping stone there?
1: Yeah, like you said, I I wavered on Richard Seymour, and not because he's a Patriot. I respect the Patriots for the what they accomplished. That's an incredible feat, and they had, you know, really good pieces that fit all of that. And Richard Seymour was one of them. And I don't think he sometimes gets the recognition he deserves. He was a really good player for a lot of years, and maybe now that that dynasty is kind of over, he'll start to get some of those accolades that maybe uh, people realize the impact that he had on the game.
0: All right, so we'll wait and see this Saturday, Selection Saturday. We'll see what who they decide and who's going to Canton. All right, so Super Bowl 55 is set after Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs advance past the conference championship Sunday. The marquee matchup will take place February 7th and pits the GOAT, Tom Brady, Against the kid Patrick Mahomes. But we will dive into that matchup next week. This week we're recapping the AFC and NFC Championship games. So even though he is on a new team and a new town, it's the same postseason Tom Brady. He just wins games. His destination is the same another Super Bowl. To recap the NFC Championship, Brady and the Bucks went on to win another road game. And beat the top-seeded Green Bay Packers 31 to 26 for the NFC title last Sunday. How do you guys feel about the Bucks win, and what can we take away from this game, Logan? What did you see? So I've, I've kind of got two. I've got one for each team. I'll start with the
1: with the Bucks. I'm taking away that even when Brady is not playing his best, the Buccaneers team can still win. Um, you know, Brady didn't have a horrible game, but it certainly wasn't his best. He had the you know, three consecutive uh, possessions with interceptions in the second half. But that Bucks defense was the difference maker again. You know, they were the you know, one of the big reasons why they beat the Saints and moved forward. They did again with stopping Aaron Rodgers in that offense who's been kinda unstoppable all year. You know, they sacked Rodgers five times, they hit him eight more times. You know, they, they actually didn't blitz as much as they typically have. Um but you know uh you know barry and and pierre paul really kind of teamed up to win their one-on-one matchups and really put a lot of pressure on him you know so even if brady's not what he was with that defense they are still a very formidable team and you know probably match up pretty good against the uh the chiefs but uh Going over to the Green Bay side, my big question is what was Matt LaFleur thinking in the fourth quarter? You know, what two minutes changed left? They settled for that late field goal. You know, he took the ball out of the regular season MVP's hands and kicked it. Then had to depend on a mediocre defense to stop Tom Brady. And then they still need a touchdown to, to win the game. Like it just I don't get that. It it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I heard, and I don't know what true this is, but I heard that LaFleur let Rodgers pick the third down play but didn't really let him know that they weren't going to go for it on fourth. So Rodgers picked a play that was kind of safe and, and thinking that he would get a shot on fourth down, and, and that didn't, didn't materialize. But you, to me, that defense is not good enough. Even though they've played okay in this game, you don't take it out of Rodgers' hands and let the defense decide. You give him a shot and you live or die by that.
2: Uh, let's go with Brian. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my takeaways are the same. Um, you know, Brady played fantastic in the first half, um, built a lead. Um, they scored again early in the third quarter. <clears throat> but, um, you know, he, he he hit that wall um, after that first possession of the third. You mentioned the, thir- the three straight picks. If Brady plays like that next week or two weeks from now in the Super Bowl, it's going to come up to the Bucks' defense, which I think they proved that they're a little underhyped. Um, you know, with, when you have that much po- uh, potency on the offensive side of the ball, that's going to be the conversation. They got so many weapons on the offsen- offensive side of the ball. They went out, they got running backs, they got Blount, um, Ray Jones, they got all these guys on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, I think, has a little chip on their shoulder right now, and they proved Um, that they can take one of the league's best offenses and stifle them enough to come out with a victory. Um, Green Bay, I mean, we talked about it two weeks ago, the Chiefs and the Browns in the divisional round, and I made some comments about when it's it's fourth down, you're playing, you're in the playoffs, you're playing against another fantastic team. If you have an opportunity to tie the game or go up on fourth down, when you have minutes left, in my opinion, you go for it. And we're not talking about Baker Mayfield in this situation. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. And he has built the reputation of one of the best comeback quarterbacks who can lead their team on the last drive of a game and score a touchdown to either tie or or take the lead. I just I don't get the call and I think that's why we've seen some of the comments come out f- from Rodgers. I know the the initial comments were in the heat of the moment following the loss about his future being uncertain, but I think they lost on that call. You know, you, you shouldn't you can argue they were down to begin with, but all they were talking about going into championship weekend was <clears throat> you had the best four quarterbacks in the league this year but it doesn't seem like the coaching staffs from these teams are putting the ball in their quarterback's hands other than the chiefs. The chiefs are the only ones that have gone for it on fourth down when the game was on the line and to seal a victory. So I was just, it's very confusing. Uh, Green Bay has a lot to look at. They're starting to become that the favorites every year in the NFC that end up choking um, them and the saints. It's kind of been a few years in a row now. Same story.
1: little, little stat fact here that he's Owen four in the last 10 years and, Conference
2: games. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of where I was going is, you know, Green Bay is always there in the conversation as a favorite in the NFC, especially when they have Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, the last time they went to the Super Bowl was when? 2010? So.
0: This was also the first uh, <laughs> NFC uh, home game for them, too. NFC championship home game for them.
2: Which makes it even worse, right? I it mean, does, the odds yeah. are even more in their favor this year. Um, he's still going to win the MVP, but it's—I it, don't think that's a consolation prize for him. I don't think he really cares at this juncture.
0: I, I don't. Th- I don't. See I mean, him I'm sure he it, cares.
2: Though. I don't see him winning the MVP award. It's, yeah, it, for it's, regular season, it's yeah, it's debatable for sure.
0: He had his te- his team, and he was a part of it. Had too many losses.
1: They had the second most wins in the NFL.
0: Second. Chiefs only had what one two losses? Yeah, two it's losses.
2: For sure, it, it's for sure between him and Mahomes. It's just going to be a question of who they give it to. I
0: mean, I think for sure Mahomes. Yeah. Has it pretty much locked for the season now? No, I,
2: mean, I think going so. That going that back be. to
0: back with the Super Bowl, two game loss in the season. You're telling yeah, me he's I, not the
2: MVP? The question is what they take into account in the playoffs because I know, and we talked about this a little bit last week about how, like, technically it's supposed to be regular season. But, I mean, obviously they haven't voted yet, right? So, like, they're going to take into account what's happened over the last four weeks um, when they make this decision. But then again, Lamar Jackson won it last year, and they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So
0: Yeah, that's pretty crazy that they did that. And he, he also stacked up all those records, too, for...
2: Yeah, but he had one on of the, uh, one of those crazy seasons yeah. where you got so many records, it's almost like you can't not give it to him. Right. Who, Lamar um, Rogers? Rodgers? Lamar. Lamar last year.
1: Well, I think <laughs> I think the same thing as Rodgers this year. Rodgers was, it felt like every week we were saying that he broke another record and, you know, certainly no, but did, Patrick did Mahomes feel, had a great
2: season, but I don't know that he had the same statistical year that Rodgers had. Did it feel like one of those years, though, when like Manning and Brady were going off and like we had the touchdown race. It didn't feel like that this year. Not at all. So,
0: and I, all right. So, so my recap of the game, uh, I think, you know, just to sum up that last call by the Packers. um, uh, Yeah, it's a bad call, but I think, you know, just to kind of say, I I think it was consistency with the coaching. Um, I think he probably consistently goes with the points. He kicks the field goal. I'm not saying it was right. I don't agree with the call. But I think that was his thinking. You know, I'm I'm a consistent coach. I'm going to take the points and walk away. Now, if it was like Andy Reid, I'd say different story. You know, Andy Reid's consistently going to go for it on fourth down and get it, or you know, you know, have faith and trust in his guys that they're you know he's going to get it. That's that's Andy Reid. He's not going to go back and forth. He goes for it. That's you know, again consistency with the call with the coach. So that's just my argument with the Packers. I think it's a bad call, but I think it was just the coach. You know, that's consistently what he wants to do is get points. So he's kicked a field goal. Yeah, Not it, saying it was the right call.
1: It'd be different if they needed like a field goal after that to tie it up or win it. But they still needed a touchdown. So I
2: I don't know. Well, I mean, we have to talk about real quick then, you know, of course we're talking about this because it didn't work, right? But, you know, the the next series, you have to, you, we have to remember, it was third and four. And there's a pass interference call on a ball that was debatably catchable. So, I mean, they were one play away from stopping Tampa, and the plan would have worked out. We give Rodgers the ball back with like a minute 30 with a chance to go down and score a touchdown. So, I mean, if that happens and they win the game, people are probably saying Matt is a genius, and then he made the right call, right? So, it's it's, a, it's an unfortunate conversation that's only happening because it didn't work out for him, right? I mean, I'm sticking with my guns. It was a bad call no matter what. Well, I mean, I, I do agree because if I was the coach, I'm giving it to my, you know, MVP quarterback to make a play, um, but we this would be a non-topic if they ended up stopping them on that third down. Didn't get the pass, you know, the pass interference call. It would have been, it's possibly a different outcome.
0: Even if they didn't get the first down or the you know the the touchdown right, right then on that call, then you're even in a bigger hole. So, and I would I would even argued on that play had he got it the first down or you know went on to get that touchdown eventually. Um, then I would be like, okay, now he's probably the MVP candidate because you know that was a key play mm-hmm. for you know him to make that argument. Um, is what it is. I just gotta say, I just think the funny meme out of all this uh, that I saw, which is, I, it blows me away. It, it, it's funny, and I mean, NFC Championship game appearances since 1997: Tom Brady won, Dallas Cowboys zero. Years in the NFC since 1997, Tom Brady won. Dallas Cowboys, 24. Hysterical. I love that. And I think it's great. You know, that, that's just Brady just like, I think it's rubbing it in. I think he purposely, you know, went to an NFC team just to, you know, to chance to win the Super Bowl and be like, hey, I won the Super Bowl in the NFC and the NFC. Um, but I just find it funny because over the years, we all know Dallas Cowboys have been stacked with talent and they haven't been back to the NFC championship game in a long time. So that's my most amusing thing that I saw this week with the NFC side.
1: You're just not going to pass up a chance to stick it to another conference rival, I don't division rival.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes against me too. Cause it's like, where, the, how long is it? The Redskins been, but at the same time, we don't have the talent. We don't get the talent, like, you know, uh, that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have I mean, for whatever reasons, but is what it is. All right. Turning to the AFC side. Well, it took the Kansas City Chiefs five decades to win their last Super Bowl. And now the defending champs are headed back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Mahomes showed no lingering effects from his concussion as he was extremely efficient, leading the Chiefs to a 38-24 victory over Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. Now, Brian, after a tough loss, how do you feel about the Bills' performance in this game? And what are your thoughts on the Chiefs heading back to the Super Bowl?
2: Well, I'll just start by saying, regardless of the outcome, I'm very proud of my team this year. I did not anticipate getting as far as we did. And maybe that's just because I've developed this mindset that um, anything that involves at least one playoff win is just so nice in comparison to everything that's happened over the last 25 years for for this team. Um, but in reference to the game, I mean, the first 10 minutes were amazing, right? I mean, I was freaking flipping out, but... I think it comes down to a couple things, which is A, I still think there's a gap in talent between the Bills and the Chiefs. I I think it's clear that the Chiefs have, you know, many pieces on that offense that are elite. I mean, Mahomes, obviously, Kelsey, best tight end in the league, you know, him and Kittle go back and forth, but it was definitely Kelsey this year. And then Tyreek Hill is just a freaking freaking anomaly of a human being when it comes to speed. It's ridiculous. But, you know, in addition to that gap, I I don't feel as though the Bills played terrible. Their stats weren't awful. I just think the bigger factor was they got outcoached. And the game plan on the defensive side of the ball was just completely unsustainable for that game. Um, you know, I love Tony Romo. he commentated that game and he made one comment repeatedly throughout the game, which was why not have somebody just chip Kelsey at the line to stop his forward momentum so that he's not open instantaneously three seconds into every play? And they never did anything to stop that. And there's you're playing the Chiefs. They're going to make plays. They're going to score points. The question is, can you at least slow them down a little bit? And we didn't. So, you know, 24 points in a game typically is somewhere in the conversation of winning or losing, but not when you can't stop the other team's offense and you give up 38 points. So, I mean, hats off to the Chiefs. There's a reason the reason that they won the Super Bowl last year. There's a reason they're going back this year. And just quickly on the concussion, I think maybe Mahomes, I don't want to say he needed a concussion, but it's almost like it, it flipped a switch for him because they were barely winning games over the uh, course of the second half of the season. I think they mentioned that their average uh, vi- margin of victory was like seven or eight points over the last, um, or even less than that, over the last seven or eight games. Uh, maybe it was three or four points. So obviously it woke him up and he played like he has been for the last couple of years with without any lingering effect like you mentioned Mike. So I mean it was it was if my team wasn't playing them, it was a beautiful performance by their offense. Logan what would you take away?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I mean, the Bills is kind of you know, had a great season. They played well in the playoffs. I mean, maybe this game was not their best, but the Chiefs are just a complete package of a team. I mean their offense is, you know, maybe unrivaled in the in the league this year. Their defense, which can be leaky at times, really played well. Uh, you know, super they,
2: good coverage
1: all game. You know, when their starters have played, you know, Kansas City's won nineteen of their last twenty games, you know, there's a reason they're going back. Like you said, Kelsey and Hill are just I was amazed by how fast Hill was in this game. He looked like on another level. He had 116 yards after the catch. You know, he just...
2: He dropped that first ball on the first drive. Yep. And then after that, he was lights out.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Kelsey is just one of those guys who's, you know, almost like a Gronk of past years. And, uh, you know, um, Graham, you know, he's just that big of a guy. He's open even if he's covered, unless you're in front of him. And even then, just go over top. So the chiefs are certainly i think the probably most complete team in the nfl um especially the last two years the bills should be proud of what they accomplished this year um you know breaking the the drought is certainly a a big accomplishment in and of itself you know kind of similar to the we talked about with the browns they should be happy this is this is a a good game good season for them You know, certainly not the outcome they wanted. I thought they could have done it, especially with you know the questions of Mahomes. So, Allen showed a little bit of inaccuracy that he's had in the past couple years, but I think he took a lot of steps forward this year. They're all right; they'll be okay.
0: What do you think, Mike? So I think you know again, sad loss for the Bills. Um, And I think I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head that they were clearly outcoached. I think in the first quarter, you know, Andy Reid, you know, drew up one plan that he had, you know, made a week prior. He was like, here's what we're going to do. And then after that first quarter, it was like, okay, it's not working. Got to change it up.
2: Um, And it's almost, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's almost funny because really in the first quarter, what killed them was Tyreek Hill dropping that first long shot down the field and then the, the punt drop the muffed punt. So I don't even know if they even did change anything. It's just, they executed it the rest of the game perfectly. Um, uh, but I, I, I know what you mean for sure. He, mean, he's a genius of a coach.
0: Yeah. And you know, Mahomes was just picking people off, you know, picking the defense apart. I mean, Kelsey just constantly would seem like a check down, but just, you know, right there in the middle, you know, on the first down, you know, yard marker, you know, he owned that space. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you know when they finally you know moved in on that, then he had Hill a couple times on the outside, and you know he would took off you know for twenty, twenty five, you know thirty yards or whatever. Um, so, and even if it wasn't Kelsey or Hill, you know he had he had you know players there making making moves and you know getting the job done and progressing the ball forward. I mean, it was just it was fun to watch on that point because you know they they were down, and. You know, they just kind of they, they slowly picked it apart, you know, and then got back into the game. Um, and like I said, I, it was truly just out coaching. And I think Andy Reid's very methodical. I think when you watch the Chiefs, they don't necessarily light up the scoreboard. I think they just play methodical football and get the win. Um, I don't necessarily like it because I've had these guys on my fantasy team and they don't always blow up because of that. you know They play smart, methodical football. It's just Andy Reid and they do a good job at it. So, Logan, why don't you take us away with our uh, – So, wait real quick
1: mix. before you go. Okay. With that being said about you know them not blowing up each week, are you going to draft the entire Kansas City team next year?
0: If you guys let me. <laughs> all right well he's
1: got two keepers I'd say
0: good thing it's a keeper league i get to keep two people
1: that's right that's right all right going in to pick them uh you guys had an average week one and one and mike you flip-flopped when you should have stuck to your guns you would have been uh been
0: hard to go against the goat but at that point i thought i thought uh, for sure the packers being at home i was with you didn't go i, there.
1: I was with you anything. on that one you would have been the six and no in the last two weeks but uh so you guys are 7-5. Are and five. I am one game behind at 6-6. Six and six. I went 0 for this week. Um, I guess next week we can uh, see what happens for the uh, re- playoffs, and maybe we all end in time. Maybe uh, you guys take it. We'll see what happens.
2: No, I'm picking whatever you pick just to make sure you
1: can. Oh, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So hold on to our Super Bowl pick for the next episode. We'll talk that up. We'll have a good uh, podcast episode for that. So going on to our Who You Got segment. Uh, it's official. At least two big-name quarterbacks are heading to new teams next offseason. First, it was Deshaun Watson and now Matt Stafford. And Rodgers may be next, but that day is yet to come. In this way-too-early pull, as we like to say, Who You Got as the next... New home for these two above-average quarterbacks. Logan, where are these guys going in your book? Well, I'll we'll start with Matt Stafford. I
1: think he's probably the best fit on the Colts um, with with Phillip Rivers leaving. Um, I think that that team is really, you know, set up to to do well. They've got some talented wide receivers with T.Y. Hilton and uh, Pittman. You know, Rivers took them to 11-5 record. Stafford's got a great arm. I think he can at least match that, if not do a little bit better. So I think that's probably the best place for him to end up. Deshaun Watson, you know, he came out this week and said that the Jets were his number one pick for some odd reason. I don't know why. Shouldn't that deal already be done? Yeah. What are the Jets doing? Yeah, I don't know. Well, he hasn't formally requested the trade, I don't think, but I think he's going to wake up. Yeah. I don't know. I, Watson, I'm going to say he probably ends up on the Jets. They trade the entire draft pool they've got, and, and he probably ends up there. He said Miami was number two, but I just don't think Miami is ready to you know, bet the farm with, on and get rid of two of quite yet.
2: Even that would be okay if they did, probably. But So I'm going to say the Jets. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jets for Deshaun Watson, I think he made it pretty clear that for whatever reason, they're his number one choice. I don't know if it has to do with he's going to be the man in New York, no doubt about it, because he's the only talent they got (laughs) on the team. Um, But uh, the harder ones, Matt Stafford, Um, the Colts I like, and then I also like the Niners, because I don't think that they're sold on Garoppolo as their quarterback next year. And I think he's going to go to a team – he's older than Deshaun by many years. So, I mean, he's going to go to a team that's set up for success. Like you said, Logan. So I, I like the Colts. I like the Niners. Um, I like the Raiders potentially. Cause I don't know if Derek Carr's their guy either.
0: So I'm going to say, I'm not particularly sold on Deshaun, Deshaun Watson leaving just yet. Um, you know, I know obviously he said some things in, in weeks past, but I'm not sold on it. I don't, I, I it could just be just talk. But I would have thought by now we would have heard more teams, you know, making some sort of announcement, some sort of move to get him and maybe more vocal on his point as to, you know, where and when he wants to go. So I'm not particularly sold on him leaving just yet. Uh, Matt Stafford, on the other hand, is definitely out with the Lions. Um, I think we're all on the same page with the Colts. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington even looks at him. Um, but It'd be good for them. Yeah, and I'm not sure if if the Colts maybe want to go with Matt Stafford because, you know, they had Phillips for Rivers for one year and you know, he decided to, you know, kick it and retire. I mean, maybe the Colts want to rebuild. You know, maybe want to, they get, they want to get some young guy in there. So, you know, who who knows what, the, what route they're going to go um, after, you know, losing to Phillip Rivers and, you know, what that season did for you. So, hard to say. Still got more time and while they're keeping a close eye on it. All so right. that being said, why don't you, uh, Logan, finish it off with uh, this day in sports history.
1: All right. So today actually marks the one-year passing of uh, L.A. Lakers legend Kobe Bryant. Uh, this day, last year, he, uh, him and his daughter uh, passed away in that fatal helicopter crash in the hillside of uh, Southern California. Uh, certainly one of the the greatest players um in basketball uh really fun to watch it's it's hard to believe that he's gone even after a year um you know i just kind of always thought that he would be around the nba even though he wasn't playing uh particularly that that lakers franchise so but yeah certainly uh one of the one of the more odd thing. I remember when I saw that notification for the first time. I thought it was, I thought it was fake. I thought it was wrong. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't believe it was real.
0: That was too soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, rest in peace, Mamba.
0: All right, and on that sad, sappy story. Uh, we're going to wrap up this podcast and make sure you follow us on two guys and a mic. Make sure you give us some good drink suggestions. Hopefully not craft beers in your local area because we're not going to be able to get them. So hit us up on two guys and a mic on your social media platform. Say hi. Tell us where you're listening from till then. We'll see you next week.